As you enter the historical galleries at the National Museum of African American History and Culture, a sign informs you that there are no exits between levels. The only way out is up the ramps that connect all three floors, these floors which tell the history, tell African American history from enslavement through today. Once you pass that sign and you go down into the basement where the exhibit begins, there is only a single path leading back up. No way out but through. The experience, level by level, is like deja vu. The horrors of slavery, the bravery and creativity of individuals and communities who resist, the promise of liberation taking you up the ramp to a new era, only to be plunged back into reconstruction and lynching and Jim Crow, and again, resistance, and again, sacrifice, and again, progress, and again, mass incarceration and police violence and systemic inequality, and again, and again, and again. In the three hours it took me to make my way back up to that entryway, I noticed two refrains repeating level by level, generation after generation. One, an insistence that America make good on its promises, that it live up to its lofty words. And the second, a reminder in each successive struggle that God will make a way out of no way. I had other plans for this sermon. I mean, even before COVID, I had other plans for this sermon. I had in mind St. Brendan, the navigator, one of my favorite characters in the history of Christianity, this sixth century monk who made his leap of faith in a tiny coracle, a, a circular shaped boat of animal skin stretched around a wooden frame. He set out from Ireland in with no idea of where he was going and, and uh, in one of those coracles and no plan to steer in any particular direction to no known destination. He just cast himself onto the sea, one grand gesture of openness to whatever the Holy Spirit had in store for him. I thought I would preach about those times when we hear a call to leave, but not yet a call to go somewhere specific. When we feel drawn to leap from what is without knowing what will catch us on the other side, if anything at all. Those singular moments when everything changes because we've trusted God out on the waves. And I chose for that sermon this story of Abram, this this perfect example of that thing, his call story. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. In other words, leave everything you've ever known, the land of your birth, the land of your ancestors, and set out without knowing where you're headed. Take the leap and I will catch you. I will bless you and through you I will bless all people. That's the sermon that I planned to preach. The courage that it takes to make that one grand gesture. And then I made a fatal mistake. I opened my Bible and read the passage. And my plan started to collapse because that turns out to not be what that story is about at all. 
For one thing, the land where Abram is living when God calls is not actually his homeland, not his country or the place of his kindred. He's in a place called Haran, and I apologize that there are three place names that you have to learn for this sermon, but he's in a place called Haran, and he's from somewhere called Ur. Looking back a couple verses, we find out that he and his family left Ur years ago, and they were headed for Canaan, the third and final place name, which turns, to be, turns out to be the land where God is leading him, the land that God is so cagey about in the scripture, the land I will show you. They were already headed in that direction, which explains why when Abram hears this call, he goes there directly. He doesn't wander on the seas waiting for God to reveal the location. He just beelines it exactly to the place where they were already headed, and God says, yeah, here. Abram's family had left for Canaan years ago and, and gotten sidetracked. Abram's father, Terah, seems to hear the same call as Abram a generation before, but he only makes it as far as Haran, which incidentally is not somewhere you would actually go to get from Ur to Canaan. One of my commentaries suggested that they resettled in Haran because of it being a focus of the international donkey caravan trade. So that's a useless fact that I couldn't stop myself from putting in the sermon. We're not coming back to the donkey caravans. To make sense of all this, that, that the family was on their way already and that Abram knew just where to go, one translation of our scripture says, God had called Abraham, uh, Abram, past tense or past perfect tense. Something that happened in the past, even before something else that also happened in the past. A story that has been going on for a while. And at that point in my study, I figured I could still make it all fit. Or I figured I would still make it all fit, because I'd done like a certain amount of preparation. <laughs> sure, maybe Abram wasn't leaving the place of his birth, but, but it was still home for many years. And maybe his destination wasn't a total surprise, but it was unfamiliar territory, at least. And maybe his father had heard the same call, too. But, and maybe Abram had even heard it all before. But this was the moment when he answered, when he stepped out in faith, the moment when he leapt once and for all, no turning back. But then I kept reading. And almost the first thing that Abram does when he gets to this land that his family has been headed to for generations is leave again. There's a famine, so he heads to Egypt. And then he has to journey back. And when he returns, he has a son, Isaac, and Isaac leaves, goes back to Haran, and, and he has to come back to Canaan. And then his son, Jacob, goes back to Haran, and when he returns to Canaan, his son, Joseph, heads back to Egypt. And then there's another famine, and the whole family follows him. And then in the next book called Exodus, it's the same story all over again. Again, a call to leave the land that they know. Again, a promise of care. Again, a journey toward a land God will show them. Again, a long stop along the way. Again and again. At 22, I joined this small group at a church where I was brand new. They were advertising it on the first Sunday, and I signed up that day. 
It met every week for a year. And we had homework every week, things to read, prayers to say, a journal to keep. It was all very serious. I was very serious. One day our assignment was to draw a picture of where we were on our spiritual journeys, of what the life of faith looked like in that moment. And I drew a cliff and me standing on the edge waiting to jump. Nothing there to catch me. Probably it would have been more accurate to draw me walking around looking for that cliff because it wasn't so much that I was waiting to jump as I was just waiting to be shown where. Waiting for that one moment when I would be asked to risk it all, to give it all up, to make that grand gesture, the one moment in which everything would change. I was sure it was coming. And I shared that picture with my group later that week. My friend Chris and I were the only members under 60. And to their credit, no one laughed at my image of the spiritual life. At my image of the difficulty that awaited me. My conception of what made, what would make life so challenging. My fear of that single moment I was sure was waiting for me even though they knew, even though they had all jumped off many cliffs before, only to find others waiting for them at the bottom. This story, Abram's story, is not about a single brave leap. The struggle that Abram and his family face is not about venturing into untrodden territory, not about the courage to set out into the unknown. There's nothing once and for all about this story. It's a story about Abram and his family being called generation after generation to walk toward a promise. No matter how many times they find themselves back in Haran, back in Egypt. Not a story of overcoming their fear of the unfamiliar road, but the story of finding it in themselves to stomach that well-known path another time. Not a story of a single brave leap, but a story of leaping and leaping and leaping again, or really not leaping at all. Walking slowly and steadily toward the promising place where you have been before and yet never seem to stay. Defiantly setting out in the familiar direction of something better and hoping this time you'll be able to stick around a little longer. Which I think makes it a more helpful story for us. Because we live in a time of deja vu. Wars in Russia and the Middle East, fights over the bodily autonomy of women and trans people. Individuals fleeing from some states to others to secure their freedom and security, safety. The re-adjudication of fundamental pr principles of our system of government, the slow moving train wreck of our presidential rematch. In so many conversations, I hear, especially the elders around me saying, didn't I already do this? 
Didn't we already learn this lesson? Didn't I already fight this battle? Didn't we already win? Last week, it was my friend Donna, who of all the people I know may have jumped off the most cliffs for Jesus in her time, following him over the edge again and again for decades, doing the work, taking real risks, making real change, bravery and creativity, resistance, liberation. And at our meeting last week, she shared with incredulity about her discernment in this moment of whether to move back to Florida this year, to take, another, take on another presidential campaign and another fight for women's access to health care, to do it all again one more time, She said it with the closest thing to weariness I have ever heard her express, this septuagenarian who is always updating us on her tennis game and sneaking out of our meetings to go swimming in the closest body of water. She sighed and said something like, what are you supposed to do when you're 76 and have nothing to lose? Aren't you supposed to push one boulder up the hill? while playing tennis and enjoying your life. This is the life of faith. Something closer to the drawing I might make today. Not a single grand gesture, but a long, defiant journey that we take over and over again. A journey towards somewhere more promising, towards something we have been promised somewhere we do arrive and leave and work hard to return to every generation, every four years, every day. A better sermon would say how, with what energy, from what reserves, for what reason one might keep believing. The story doesn't say, doesn't give Abram's internal motivation for any of the times he sets out to Canaan. Just that call, that voice in him that tells him that this is the way toward something better. This is the path of blessing for all people. Maybe he trusted that despite all the evidence to the contrary, despite the deja vu of it all, God would again make a way out of no way. Maybe he wanted to call God on the carpet, to hold God to God's own lofty words, to insist that God make good on the promise. But I think maybe for people like Abram, for people like Donna, for people of faith, the answer is simpler. There is no other way to go. Once you have found the path that you believe leads toward blessing for all people, the path to safety, to liberation, where else is there to go? No way up but through, out again on this long, winding road to freedom. In D.C., at the exit of those historical galleries is a room called the Contemplative Court. 
The museum basically counts on you being exhausted by the time you arrive there, needing a place to rest after all that climbing. In the room are four benches around this huge fountain. The center of the room is all water, and water pours down from the ceiling in the shape of a circle, like rain, like tears. It's a place to cry a place to grieve what happened, what had happened, what is happening, and the need to do it all again. The room is surrounded by promises written on the walls, the words of Martin Luther King Jr. We are determined to work and fight until justice runs down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. The words of Sam Cooke, a change is going to come. It's a place like this one to catch your breath, to gather your courage, to be reminded that you are not alone, to listen for that voice within you that finally says it's time. and you head out and up again the way you came. <laughs>